live an uncommon life, one needs to learn uncommon disciplines. like to shout out to one of our sponsors for this podcast, which is Element Recharge. It's a great electrolytic drink that has all the good ingredients that you need. It's got potassium, magnesium, and sodium, and none of the junk. No sugar, no gluten, no fillers, no artificial, nothing. It's both paleo and keto friendly. And it was co-founded by my buddy, Rob Wolf, who's been a leader in the nutrition space for over a decade. He worked with the Navy SEALs. Rob is one of the best. And I love his product. And um, I, I use this every single day after a workout, and even have some in the morning when I wake up. So one to two packs a day, this stuff will help you recover. It'll help relieve hunger, cramps, headaches, dizziness, anything like that, that comes from underhydration and not being salty enough. Also, they're going to let you try it risk-free. If you don't like the product, then share it with a salty friend and they'll give you your money back. No questions asked. They're offering you a sample pack for just the cost of shipping. That's $5 for U.S. orders. And uh, each sample pack includes eight packets of Element, two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw. I love the citrus and the orange myself. Anyways, go get yours. It's limited to one time per customer. I'm excited that you're going to try this. I know that you'll love it just as much as I do. Go to drinklmnt.com slash unbeatablemind. That's drink, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash Unbeatable mind. Hoo Hey, folks, welcome back. This is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Super stoked to have you here today. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. As you know, I really uh, do not take your attention lightly with everything vying for your attention out there. The fact that you are listening to the Unbeatable Mind podcast means a lot. Um, it also helps if you rate it. So uh, please rate the podcast so other folks can find it. I think we have over a thousand five stars. We want to keep that trend rolling. My guest today is a friend, uh, entrepreneur, uh, author. We have so much in common. In fact, I'm I'm slightly envious of his lifestyle. <laughs> so I can't wait to talk about it and and have him share the life that he set up. All of its ups and downs, you know, because you know, for every every positive, there's a there's a, a dark side, right? And it's Patrick Sweeney, Patrick, um, author of. Uh, Fear is Fuel, known as the Fear Guru, former Olympic-level athlete, um, entrepreneur, started several, several tech companies, and uh, has overcome cancer. I mean, there's just so much about Patrick that I love about you. Your, your story is amazing. And you're in um, your home in Chamonix, France. Like, how many people I, get, the, <laughs> get to split their time between Chamonix, one of the most beautiful places in the world, and Boston, right? In Boston. The other, yeah, Boston, Boston. Boston's the uh, the the work. <laughs> so you were like you were telling me before we started that you were you know mountain biking and ice climbing and swimming in the Mediterranean or diving in the Mediterranean all in the last you know five or six days. Last, right. last uh, week and a half, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty incredible. And and for anyone who's looking for the ultimate place to live, uh, Chamonix is is it. Uh, for me. And that's why, you know, what originated as a six month exciting experience for our family uh, turned into now 10 years of right. just living this incredible lifestyle. So yeah, I'm very, very blessed. And do you have to be a citizen to own there? Or how does that work for you? 
Yeah. So for me, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky. And, and part of my story is being the son of first generation Irish immigrants. So okay. um, uh, I got an Irish passport when I was training for the Olympics. And uh, so I've got Irish and American passports, but it, it makes it easier, it makes it easier to own a house here. And, uh, and to puts out know, to a lot of the red travel. tape, right? Because you're an it, EU member. It does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's, you know, I mean, and honestly, Mark, any of your listeners who want to come and do six months or a year or a couple of years here, there's tons of Americans here. And we, we do a New Year's Eve party every year. And there's 13 <laughs> different nationalities that show up. So it's a have blast. You, have you seen an uptick with COVID, you know, um, COVID related people? <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah. probably not the right word. People during COVID who've said, screw oh, it up. Yeah. I'm, I'm moving and going remote or I'm going to go, you know, especially mountain towns in the United States are just booming because people are buying real estate and saying, hey, I can live and work here. Is that happening there? And, and it's happening a ton in sham, especially uh, with the Brits, right? Because of Brexit and right. Britain getting so hard locked down, as many got out and got over here as, uh, you know, as I think possible and, and are just enjoying the lifestyle. And it's, What's it's the absolutely- cost of living like? ridiculous, you know, Aspen, <laughs> Aspen, like, so, oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's property never goes on sale because the, the chalets have been in families for generations and generations. So, uh, so it's tough to find a spot, but there's valleys and areas around Sham that, um, you know, are, are a short car ride or short bus ride. And I try and do all my mountaineering, eco mountaineering, right? So, you know, uh, I'll try and take the train or take the bus uh, whenever I can to go do a climb or or do a ski or something like that. And it's easy to do that. So, is it? Yeah, it's great. You know, cool it's great, great, great place for, for people who want to come and live this outdoor lifestyle. Yeah, that's neat. Well, that's not what we, you know, decided to talk about, but it's fascinating to me. You know, I've, I've, um, I don't think I've ever disclosed this, but I'm very interested in getting an, um, an EU passport. I'm very interested in being a citizen of the world and not just in the United States. And I have nothing against the United States. Well, maybe a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of the <laughs> politics that is just we, really, we all have a few axes to grind. Yeah. We've got a few axes <laughs> to grind with the politics and with the negativity and with the media, but I yeah. love America and I love the places that I have here that, that I love to, you know, do some of the things that you do. I love doing that in America, out in Utah and up in Lake Placid, New York. But I feel that we're heading into a new era where, you know, we're all global citizens and, and I'm not talking about that from a, like an elitist globalism perspective, you know, like a leftist elitist yeah, perspective. Right. I'm talking about this expansion of consciousness, people feeling, and what you've experienced with your work and the people you train, more connection to everybody and, and recognizing similarities as opposed to differences and mm -hmm. wanting to be a citizen of the world and to do good and be good, right? For all of yeah. humanity and the planet. And so as part of that, like, why not have you know, uh, an EU passport or live in another country. And you've already lived that. Yeah. And what does that like do to your sense of just, just your sense of self to, to have two passports, to be free to roam between Europe and the United States without thinking that you're an, a foreigner. I, I think Mark, the, the most um, amazing thing to come out of it for me and, and COVID has amplified this for sure is that, um, I, I do definitely feel like a, a global citizen, you know, before COVID, I was going back and forth all the time and, and really taking advantage of globalization. I was in, in the States two weeks and then back over in Sham for two weeks. And now I think 
while while globalization is still uh, incredibly important and a big influence on our world, I think localization and mm-hmm. in, in the way that you said it, being connected when I'm in Chamonix, being connected to the people here in and, Chamonix, and right? In, in Chamonix, and and it's connected through. Uh, you know, all the, the things we do and talking about snow conditions, talking about, uh, you know, availability or weather or, or, you know, new routes or talking about politics that influence us here or wanting Mm -hmm. to know more information about the United States and, and, you know, understanding other people's beliefs and behaviors. And, and so it's amazing to come particularly to a place like Chamonix where there's so much diversity in backgrounds in nationality mm-hmm. and, and religion and, you know, work things that got people here or allowed them to come here that you really feel like everything you need is right here. You, you don't have to go anywhere. You're connected mm-hmm. to this community and it's an incredible community. And I mm-hmm. think that that holds true wherever you are now. I think, I think mm-hmm. being local, uh, you know, eating local, buying local and, and engaging and impacting mm-hmm. local is the new globalism. I totally agree with that. It's, it's counterintuitive, but we've seen how globalism is really, you know, and, and the way our economic systems and supply lines are set up is just not sustainable. And, you know, with a movement back toward local food production and local distribution yeah. and, and self-sustainability at a local level, but at the same time, having the mindset that, you know, your actions where you are can affect, you know, the entire world. So I'm going to, you know, clear across the world on another continent so that to have a global perspective, a global inclusiveness, a global care and concern while having a local support structure and a focus on taking care of your piece of land, right? Yeah, and, and, and your peep and your local peeps, right? That's it, and we're we're yeah. we're our own butterfly effect, that's right? right? So what 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 we do here and how we engage in this community is going to impact people on the other side yeah. of the planet. Wouldn't it be cool? Now this works for both an individual as well as an organization, as well as a community like um, Sham, as you call it, or Encinitas, where I live, yeah. is if we could all endeavor to be the model for the rest of the world, mm-hmm. right? If we could yeah. all endeavor to lead by example, right? If yeah. every community, every organization and every individual took that as a personal stand to lead by example in terms of, you know, holistic health, integrative health, fitness all around, you know, um, development of the mind, body, and the spirit, you know, develop self-sustainable, you know, and, and close to the earth type policies and, taking care of the elderly and really, really digging into education and how to educate at a personalized, you know, manner, as well as um, personalized medicine and, and healing instead of, you know, dealing with sickness. I mean, there's just so many things that we already know to be good and right and just, but we just can't do it from a top-down bureaucratic 20th century kind of model anymore. You know, and it's it's, it's got to be driven by pods of individuals and integral commons type of thing, you know. And and if if each individual takes a hundred percent accountability for it, right? It's, it's when you start giving away that accountability, which is right. which is natural because uh, you know a lot of well, governments want to take it, right? Governments will take yeah, as much as yeah. you give them, and they'll take yeah. what you even don't want to give them. 
But again, that centralized uh, craving for control, there's a huge pushback against that, in my opinion, these days. I mean, look at the whole decentralized movement with blockchain. And, you know, I, I think that's a dying, that, those are the graspings of a dying dinosaur model, right? And it's, you know, you're going to see that fall apart in the next 20 to 50 years, I think. Yeah, I or think you're sooner. right. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of that, we're going to, I want to talk also about your life and your work with uh, fear, especially as it pertains to how to help people deal with fear of, you know, COVID and, you know, th the things we're talking about, government overreach and economic, you know, the destruction from the economic shutdowns, oh, you know, mm. as it relates to how people navigate that. But when it comes to like you, you're being a tech entrepreneur and I'm fascinated with um, blockchain and the integration of, you know, blockchain and AI, you know, and, and create this idea that the blockchain is creating a new internet that's decentralized, that, that will take the power back away from Facebooks and Googles of the world, which have basically completely raped the, you know, humanity's privacy as well as their content. Yeah. yeah. Right. And used us, you know, it's probably not intentional. Like, I don't think they did it on purpose. It's just the business model turned out to be where, you know, you've heard this before that we became the product, not the customer, right? Because yeah. they're using all of our data, all of our, you know, information, all of our content, not, we don't get paid for it. Yeah. We're not sovereign anymore in the eyes of Google and, and Twitter and Facebook. And in fact, not only that, but they can censor us now, which well, is that's, to me one of the most mind boggling that's, developments, right? That's Crazy. the scariest part is that, is that, you know, I mean, I don't think, and, and I've got Russian friends who will tell you this as well. I don't think that the government should be getting involved in, in you know, uh, how to control private corporations. But I think there has to be a solution to the fact that uh, when, when a social media company like Twitter can shut down someone just by choice, you know, who I made agree. Jack Dorsey the, uh, the czar of what information gets disseminated? Right, right. totally agree. He, he's no more able to justify than than us. But on the same token, you know, if I go back to me taking one hundred percent accountability, like probably a ton of your listeners, that's why I switched to Telegram. Right? Yeah, it's right. you know, it's a, yeah, you can uh, vote vote with your fingers in your pocketbook, right? That's it. Yeah, and, yeah, I agree. And so with that's that. what that's what we got to do. What do you think of uh, Bitcoin as a global reserve? You know, currency like currency. global gold. So, so not as a currency, but I think it's more, more become more of a store of value. And that's the, the real value is digital gold as opposed to thinking that people are going to actually buy a Tesla. I mean, people have bought a Tesla with it, which is oh, a yeah, big, of course. probably yeah. a big mistake. <laughs> Just walked away from yachts millions of with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Well, they, you know, I mean, I think Bitcoin uh, and, and blockchain, obviously, as, as many of your listeners probably know way more than I do about it, are two very separate things. And, right. I, and I think the notion of blockchain for security and, and provenance and, and um, being able to remove threat of, uh, you know, mass hacks or, mm -hmm. or, uh, ransom attacks or that sort of thing, I think is hugely useful. Well, it cuts out the middleman in a lot of cases, which is a big threat for the old model, but you know, yeah, these exactly. DeFi decentralized finance, I mean, you're going to be able to bank without a bank. You're yeah, going to be able to get a loan without a mortgage company and right. And so on and so forth. It's crazy. And, 
And, and that's exactly right. And I, that's where the value lies in, in being able to control, again, your financial reserves, mm-hmm. your financial future, and especially across currencies, right? And, mm-hmm. and across borders. That's the mm-hmm. probably the most exciting thing. And I, I agree. you know, I've got a little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit of um, Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think Bitcoin in the next year goes over a hundred grand. hundred percent. I totally agree. Yeah, I've been a big fan of Bitcoin and always kicking myself in the butt because I had bought, you know, well over 100 a few years ago and then I sold most of it. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I also inadvertently transferred four Bitcoin to an Ethereum address and lost it. I'm like, I, oh, I've been all over the place with it, right? But, <laughs> but I slowly clawed my way back and I have some holdings. I think, I think it is a store of gold. When I, you know, I finally heard that, um, Michael Sawyer, you know, from MicroStrategy buying in for, you know, replacing their cash treasury reserves for Bitcoin and then Elon doing it with, um, with Tesla. And then um, a lot of major universities, you know, were quietly putting some of their endowments, you know, into it. Yeah. You're going to find it, I think, in the next uh, two to three years where if you don't have a percentage of your reserves and you're a Fortune 500 and you're a pension fund, right, and you're a mutual yeah. fund, I don't have a Bitcoin option, then you're, you're going to be toast because, you know, with all the money printing, the value of the dollar is creeping down. It always has. I mean, I think the value of the dollar is 10% today of what it was in early 1980s. Yeah. Right. So, so if we can, you know, if the values of the dollar is going to depreciate like that and even accelerate that depreciation with all the money printing and Bitcoin, because it's fixed supply of 21 million of which close to 4 million have been lost. (laughs) <laughs> like my four Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so sadly in that category. <laughs> fixed supply with more, you know, with, with the potential to have, you know, trillions of dollars flowing into it. It's just inevitable. Yeah. Supply and demand says that Bitcoin is going to be worth well over $100,000 within yeah. 12 months to 18 months. And, and I believe some of the predictions that say 500 to even a million dollars per Bitcoin. I really believe yeah, that. Now, unless there's you know, unless governments come in and around the world and say, screw this, you know, we're going to make it illegal. And, and I think that would push more people into it. And I think governments would fall if they did that. Uh, the genie's out of the bottle. I, I think so, too. But I don't think you get those huge values until there becomes material usage. And that's mm-hmm. that's the problem yeah. right now. You can't you can't buy the house. Doesn't have a good use case. With, right. Yeah, yeah. So Too volatile. So, yeah. I think that's what right now puts a ceiling on on Bitcoin and the you know the fact that it's high beta. So yeah, you yeah, know, it yeah. can go from twenty grand up to thirty grand in the course of a month or uh, and back you know, down shorter, in this, you yeah, know, shorter time. Down. Yeah, I agree. It's going to take some time. But it's fascinating to watch anyways, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's, you, you know, I mean, the advice I give everyone who who asks me and I've got, you know, I've invested now in uh, almost 70 different startups and, uh, you know, people say, well, what about VC investor? But what about this? And I, I say, look, take take five to seven percent of of your liquid net worth and, and put it in uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, and, I agree. Just, yeah. You know, and just just ride it out and expect it to be there for ten years, fifteen years. Yeah, and and don't wait for some perfect moment, right? <laughs> no, you can't time no. Bitcoin just like you really can't time the market. Don't wait. Just start. You know, I like these new platforms. There's some great apps or um, blockchain solutions where you can kind of micro invest and you can top off your credit cards. And you know, you got to be very careful that you're not uh, getting scammed. I got scammed by a company called Coinseed. 
which mm-hmm. was taking like $20 out of my account. And they started taking $40 out without authorization. And then I tried to get my wow. money back and chirp, chirp. And I'm like, ah, I just got scammed. Good thing it was only 1200 bucks and not 20,000. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you got to yeah, well, be careful. Coin- do your research, do your research. Coinbase is uh, uh, a friend of mine started Coinbase a few years ago. They're reputable. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. Coinbase is awesome. River, so, yeah. Coinbase rocks. Yeah, I totally agree. But so, you know, they, you you mentioned uh, uh, acting versus you, you know t- taking the action and finding the right time to do it, and that's what you know this whole year of COVID has uh, I th- I think can be boiled down to and and split into two different camps. I think that you know everyone that I've worked with so far this or in the past let's call it eleven months has um, has has definitely bifurcated. Across those two, uh, you know, on, on one side of the action or the other. Hunkering down and waiting and riding out the storm or looking at it as a massive opportunity to pivot and to, to move, you know, physically move, move their mind, do something different, reinvent themselves. You know, I've seen the same and, thing. And yeah. but, you know, it's, it's how can we take, how can we create an advantage out of this adversity? Right. And, right. and one of the scientific facts I was just uh, telling a friend of mine is when a mouse is scared, they freeze. When a leopard is scared, it takes massive, swift, and, and oftentimes <laughs> deadly action. Right. That's right. So, so like, do you want to It's like be, the difference wanna... between a Navy SEAL and, uh, I, I hesitate to say. And, some, and a cook. <laughs> and a cook. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, less the cook is Steven Seagal, but, uh, right. <laughs> But, but mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, you know, and, th- and that's it. And I think I look at, you know, uh, I was just uh, with a Fortune 500 company a couple of weeks ago. And I said, look, you can either be the mouse or you can be the leopard. And what happens is it starts with a level of fear and that fear elicits the response. And then even after, you know, vaccines out and mm-hmm. people, young people aren't dying and, and you've had a few friends who had it. So the fear diminishes but it, it creates uncertainty. And you're always mm-hmm. talking about VUCA and the, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the volatility, the uncertainty, but you still have the mice of the world frozen, right. not acting. And the leopards of the world are, are sitting there doing exactly what you and I have been doing. And this is how I ran my companies. We're observing what's going on around us. We're orienting ourselves to the best possible manner. We're deciding, acting, and then doing it all over again. Mm-hmm. And and you you can see people who are creating a huge advantage. You know, friends of ours who are writers who are just cranking out in the past yeah. six months because they're know. you know they're not speaking, they're not on the road, so they're just they're they've gotten more done in six months than they have in the previous three or four years. And and those are the you know those are the people that I want my friends and family to be like. Totally agree. That's interesting. You bring up a good point. Once people, it's almost a learned response, right? That then becomes a habitual pattern. So if you're a mouse and, you know, crisis strikes and you freeze, okay, no problem. You, you know, you've learned a behavior. It's going to take you a while to unfreeze, but you'll go back, back around your business. But the next time it happens, you freeze again, right? And now, now you've created a pattern. Yeah, because like, yeah. there's always going to be crisis. There's always yeah. crisis. There's always challenges. Always ups and downs. COVID's just you know the latest example of that, right? And so the mouse gets complacent, but then it you know it freezes and then it freezes and then it freezes again. And pretty soon it can't get unstuck, and you get yeah. into that fixed mindset and that stuckness. Organizations 
can have that same response, right? Because the organization is just a, sure. a collective mindset and that collective mindset could either, either be the leopard or the mouse. Have you found that? Yeah. Or organizations and governments, right? And governments, in, right. in two, two of my companies, we did a lot of government contracting and, and uh, a lot of work with different branches. And so that's, it's the same thing, the complacency and the analysis paralysis and, and you boil it down to one thing, Mark, and that's fear. Right. People mm-hmm. are afraid to make a decision because it hasn't gotten approval, afraid to make a decision because we've never tried this before in our organization, mm-hmm. afraid to make a decision because we're going to fail. <clears throat> and, and what they're doing is failing to act. And mm-hmm. when you fail to act, you're not able to, to pull in all this new information. As you know, we've, we've talked mm-hmm. about the OODA loop mm-hmm. a bunch and, um, you know, and, and we hit on it in the audio version of, of Fear is Fuel coming out. And one of the things that I've always said, and I can't remember if we've talked about this in the past or not, I've, I've run my companies and, and my athletic endeavors and everything else by the OODA loop, but mm-hmm. I believe there's a, a B that has to go before that for normal people. So mm-hmm. when, when John Boyd came up with the OODA loop, he was talking about highly trained fighter pilots. Mm-hmm. Right. B that, that I put in front of it is belief. Mm-hmm. And fighter pilots have a belief in themselves. You, you, mm-hmm. you won't find anyone cockier than, a, you know, than, than Maverick mm-hmm. and Goose, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. So they have that belief already. Not everybody has that and not all of the people come naturally. Some people have it through faith and they believe things will work out. Um, we've got this CEO whisperer who's in uh, one of my chapters as well named Diana Chapman. And she's works with tons of Silicon Valley uh, CEOs from Tim Ferriss to, to, you know, uh, guys at Tesla and everything, everyone in between. And one of the things she always says is the world's a very friendly place. And you, if you believe that, then you start to have this, this mm-hmm. belief and this understanding of how your life can change when you start to use that OODA loop. But if you don't yeah. have that belief and you try and jump into the OODA loop, you, you, you get fragmented, you know, you stop in the middle of, of observing, and then you go back to trying mm-hmm. to decide, on mm-hmm. something new, or you just don't take the action. And, right. and it's that belief, I think, that a lot of people need in these times of uncertainty. Yeah, like if, if, you, if, if you want to change and you know, get your ass off the couch and stop waiting for the end of COVID and stop waiting for the next PPP check and stop waiting for what's going to happen next, then you've got to believe that whatever action you take is going to work out for the better. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately, everything comes down to mindset and you know, and the thoughts that you allow yourself to have, which is basically what a belief is, right? Yeah. yeah. And and curating those thoughts through mindfulness and being and and contemplation and self awareness. You know, the self examined life, whether you're an individual or an organization. You know, not worth yeah. living. He says, Socrates says, for an organization, this the unexamined organizational life will lead to you know being frozen in fear and, and extinction before long. I would yeah. add that there's two more steps that are really important. In the SEALs, we use the acronym PBTA, in addition to the OODA loop, but the OODA loop kind of covers the T and the A, and I'll explain. So P simply means pause, and you'll love this because you know that by pausing, you, you just stop the insertion to the amygdala. You just stop everything. Because the, yep. the information comes to the amygdala, and as you describe in your book, Fear is Fuel, Immediately, it triggers that fight or flight response. Well, the amygdala is searching for for risk or reward, good or bad. And most of, you know, anything that's a stressor or trigger like COVID is going to be perceived as bad, immediately immediately triggering 
the sympathetic nervous system and at, at, that, at an organizational level or leadership level, that sympathetic nervous system looks like all stop, right? Three alarm fire, freeze what you're doing, you know, massive confusion. What do we do now? Looking for answers, looking for the fear guru to help you out, but not, not being autonomous and moving forward, yeah. you know, using doubt to be limited through action. And so pausing and just, just pausing to digest and to stop and to interrupt that fear loop, then breathe into it, right? So for an individual that literally means breathe, and I know you recommend breathing practice, that, that's like slow down. And now let's reverse the fear loop and activate the courage loop. These are words that I use in my book, my writing. Yeah. Once you got the courage loop going, that's where belief kicks in. I got this. We can figure this out. You know, this is going to make us stronger, right? This is an opportunity as opposed to, holy shit, we're going to be dead. And then, so PB, pause, breathe, and pause, breathe, activate belief. So maybe it's double B there. Then you think and you act, the T and the N. And the think is, observe, this is where the OODA loop comes in handy, the OOD. Observe what's really happening in the environment. You know, study it, research it. You don't need to, like, unless, you know, someone's pointing a gun at you, Yeah, you can take you know, a few cycles to really think through, but then you've got to act. So we're looking like for an 80% solution, not hundred percent. We're not perfect. You can't be perfect in a crisis. You can't be perfect anytime. So you observe, you orient, and then you make a decision and you stand by the decision. And here's the key. When you decide, like in the SEAL team, you might have two thirds of the team who thinks it's a great idea. And one third is like, that's going to get us killed. Yeah. Or I don't agree with it. Or it wasn't my idea. Doesn't matter that one third gets behind the idea and you execute with full support. 100% buy-in, even if 30% don't agree. Does that make sense? So the action, yeah. how, a, how an elite team acts is really important. You don't have to agree with the leader or the decision that was made. You just have to back it 100% with your efforts. And Absolutely. then, of course, that gets into the action phase. I think we just came up with a really good model. PBBTA. TA. <laughs> Absolutely. And the T the the tea tea includes down. the OODA loop. Right? It drops on OODA. Yeah, exactly. I like that. This episode is brought to you by podcast publisher Wondery. Feel the story with their emotionally immersive podcasts. Some of their hit programs have been Dirty John, Dr. Death, Business Wars, Gladiator. Now, in their first season of their new original series, Against the Odds, They'll take you into the incredible events of an adventurous group of teens who found themselves fighting for their lives and the brave heroes that gave them a chance at survival. The setting was July 2018. You may remember 12 young soccer players and their coach somehow trapped six miles deep in a cave complex with no food or water. Oxygen was dwindling and the water level was rising to levels nearly impossible to get out. There was no light, no way to communicate with the outside world. These kids and the coach were stuck. Their only chance of getting it out alive was in the hands of a world-class diver, Rick Sten. With the whole world watching, Rick and his partner, John, were immediately faced with the challenge of their lifetime to find these boys and their coach and get them out safely. Against the Odds is now available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Start your free trial of Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free. With Against the Odds, you'll feel the suspense. With Wondery, you'll feel the story. Check it out. Download the Wondery app 
and go use Wondery Plus for a free trial. You won't regret it. These are great shows. Hoo-ya. I've always wanted and coveted a super high-end watch. You know, one of those beautiful ones like a Rolex that you know, just makes you feel good and looks like you've kind of made it. But I just wasn't willing to pay the price. These things are you know, well over $1,000. Well, I found a company, and I'm now pleased to announce that they're a sponsor of ours at Unbeatable Mind Podcast called Vincero. And they know how important it is to look and feel your best, but also understand that not everyone can afford or wants to pay, you know, thousands of dollars for an ornament, you know, to put on their wrist. So they solved that, which is really cool to me because I know the technology exists to make beautiful things at a reasonable price and they've done it. So I feel like they built this watch for me. They've got a ton of different options. It, you know, I scrolled through their website, by the way, which is beautifully done. You got to have a shopping experience that's seamless and they've done that as well. So the website is beautiful. It's easy to find, you know, the differentiation between the different watches that they have. And they've got pictures from multiple angles and you, you right away you're drawn in and you're like, oh yeah, that's the one for me. And they offer a five-year warranty and a 365-day return policy. These guys have made it really easy for those of us who have coveted high-end watches you know, but wanted at an affordable price and an easy shopping experience, boom, they nailed it. So check them out at vincerowatches.com. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches, W-A-T-C-H-E-S.com forward slash unbeatable. That's my page. And it's important because when you go to that page, they'll have an option for a, a discount code. And that code is also unbeatable. Pretty easy to remember. Unbeatable. U-N-B-E-A-T-A-B-L-E. If you want to buy one of these watches after checking them out, you'll get a 20% discount and free shipping because of the relationship that we've de- developed with them. I love my watch. I think you'll like it too if you want to have a you know a high-end, very beautiful watch that is not at a high-end, very not-so-beautiful price. VinceroWatches.com forward slash unbeatable. Go check them out. I know you'll be pleased. Hoo-yah to Vincero. You know, uh, there's a ton of neuroscience behind that too, Mark. In in the right. book, the the breathing, what that does is there's two ways our brain processes in, in information. Top down, which is taking information that you see or you hear or you read or that you touch or that you smell from your senses. And that comes in as neuroscientists say it on the top. And then bottoms up. And bottoms up is your brain looking at your heart rate looking at your breathing rate, looking at your digestion, looking at all these things that are happening and wondering if they've stopped too. So have they switched to the fight or flight? Mm-hmm. So when we do breathing, which, which as you know, my acronym that I use for people to deal with fear and uncertainty is BASE, uh, mm-hmm. B-A-S-E. And the, the B is just like, just like you and, and thousands of other, you know, mindful people and yogis and everything else through the years is to breathe. And what mm-hmm. you're doing is if you start doing a, a four by four box breathing, as you call it, or a, any other set of breathing, you're sending a signal to your brain that says, we're not under 
because if we were under threat, we'd be doing rapid, shallow breathing. Right. So That's everything right. must be okay. Mm -hmm. That helps clear the working memory, which mm -hmm. is which is basically where our instructions are coming from, because the amygdala wants to put up fight, flight, or freeze up there. Mm -hmm. So the breathing helps clear that out. And then you know what you're talking about is one of my favorite books is um, Viktor Frankl's oh, Man's yeah. Search for Meaning, which Terrific. you know is is awesome book. Classic. And and we we talk, I talk about his book in the in the new audio version with the psychologist from the U.S. Olympic Training Center, and mm -hmm. he said the number one thing across all the athletes, if you look at every athlete that he's trained from Michael Phelps to to um, you know. Uh, uh, what's his name? Ono, the speed skater to all these guys down to, you know, knuckleheads like me. He said the most common thing they have that works for them is self-talk. And that's just what you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. You didn't call it self-talk, but right. it's, it's the belief, it's the understanding, it's the mm -hmm. mindfulness mm -hmm. to put in your head, what's going to serve you at the moment. And, right. and that all comes from it's a software code. Yeah. Fear, fear based code is corrupted, right? It's just, it's, yeah. it's almost like code that's got broken, you know, broken codes in it, right? So, because it, as you run those loops, it just keeps weakening your body and weaken resolve and then, you know, corrupting your belief systems to where you just, you utterly believe you can't do something because whatever you're doing isn't working because yeah. your self talk yeah. is corrupting the entire system energetically, and, and you, you know, and, and you know what, not just energetically, Mark, this has been happening for 11 months with COVID people right. don't understand. One of the things that I've been, I've been screaming about for the past year is that COVID can make our immune system stronger. I agree. So, so, so people, so there, there are people who are, are doing just what you're saying. They have this nonstop cortisol and adrenaline and DHEA and all this stuff going through their body because they're constantly afraid. They're constantly worried about, about, you know, the UPS guy giving them COVID or the, um, you know, catching it from the kids going to school or hockey practice or whatever. So they're always worried about it. They're, that's killing their immune system. Mm -hmm. They can mm -hmm. flip that on its head by reprogramming. You know, the amygdala is running a 2 million year old piece of software. Right? So, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it's got some bugs. <laughs> right. It's got some serious bugs. And so we, we have, it's incumbent on us to reprogram that shit. Because, because if we're living with that in this day and age, when there's way more stimulus, way more threat, way more diversity than, than we were ever designed to do, then, yeah. you know, we're just going to, we're going to be going down a rabbit hole that we won't come out of. 100% agree. Because, you know, this COVID will be replaced by the next one and the next one. And, you know, human beings were designed to deal with nature's, you know, vagaries like that. Yeah. We're designed to do it. I mean, look at what's happening in India right now. They're like, what? We don't understand why the cases of COVID infection and, and, and um, you know, symptoms are like plummeting. And the best they can come up is this, like, we have a pretty damn resilient population because our mm -hmm. medical sucks and people are, you know, living in the <laughs> way dirt. So COVID is not going to bother them. It's yeah. pretty interesting. Of course, you know, I've been hammered for saying things that, you know, aren't backed by science on this podcast. So I'll just caveat everything. I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to COVID. <laughs> hey, <laughs> so, so, listen. so don't, so don't cancel me just yet. You know, <laughs> exactly. Don't stop listening to us. <laughs> wow. So you, um, 
last time I spoke to you, and you've mentioned this before, we were doing an audio recording for your new audiobook for Fear is Fuel coming out in audio yeah. form, which is great. And I, I love audiobooks, and more and more people are you know accessing books through audio. It's just a huge oh, yeah. platform. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. And um, can you share? You already shared the Olympian that you talked to, but share some of the most insightful. Because you did a really neat thing. Let me, I'm kind of bouncing around here, but you did a really neat thing is you you read the book, but then each chapter, you also add a bonus interview. So ours was a yeah. bonus interview for chapter one, and which is really cool because those bonus interviews probably opened your mind and added new insights, which oh, are, of course people get to share. So what were some of the top things that you talked about with the people that you interviewed for the audiobook? So, um, yeah, just like you said, Mark, well, well, first of all, the guy in chapter one just hit it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. I've heard he's a pretty cool guy, but he's, he can, a, he's he, a pretty cool guy. He, he doesn't know shit about COVID. But <laughs> no, he yeah. He's not a COVID expert. And anything he says that seems culturally or racially insensitive, <laughs> sensitive, you cannot hold him accountable to. That's right. That might've been edited out. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, we, we started with Mark, uh, and chapter one, which, which was fantastic. But the, the idea of this bonus content was I, I spent six years researching the book and, uh, interviewed three dozen neuroscientists across world from Stanford, MIT, University College, London, uh, Bordeaux University, uh, Harvard, you name it. And, and the top neuroscientists contributed their information. And, and basically what I did was translate it into plain English. So people right. could understand how to reprogram your brain and, and live this life for your dreams. Because, you know, let's face it, everyone was hitting snooze on on 2020 you know saying mm -hmm. wake me up when this thing's over and you, <laughs> you know that's that, that is no way to go through life so right. the the uh the book had all this information pre-covid no right. idea that we were going to be set with this level of uncertainty and so the the people who came into it i'll give you a couple great examples one is carl friston who's one of my favorite neuroscientists of all time he was on the cover of wired magazine uh last october and uh, he's got more citations of his research than Einstein, right? Wow. So the no guy, kidding. I mean, he's, they, you, you can't say anyone's a shoe in for a Nobel Prize, but Friston is, you know, he's incredible. I'd go to his office in, in University College London. I'd ask him one question. He would talk for an hour and a half. <laughs> and and ninety percent of the words I wouldn't understand. <laughs> so I'd come home, I'd get on my couch, and I just you know I'd listen to it. I'd write down notes. I'd listen to it. I'd write down notes. I'd do that four or five times, and until I got you know his. And that's where some of that you know the bottoms up and top down information. Right. His biggest takeaway is that our brain is a prediction engine, and we have something called prior beliefs. All these all the our past history that helps us predict the future. Mm -hmm. So if our past history is being an Irish Catholic kid who stayed in Boston in the same neighborhood where he was baptized and went to school, he's gonna have a very one-dimensional view of the world mm -hmm. and his predictions of the outcome of uncertainty is gonna be based on that. So if you wanna really have the ability to predict the future and to get out of uncertainty, you've got to increase your prior beliefs, which means your yeah. experiences. So you've well, that, got to that go supports what we said about wanting to be a global citizen and travel and live in different places yeah. and communicate with different types of people and open your mind basically. And, and, and replacing the key thing is replacing judgment with right. curiosity. 
I love and, that. And if you replace yeah. that that judgment with curiosity, and you think, "Wow, why is this person doing this? What you know? That's really interesting. I want to find out about it." And so, so Friston's uh, a great guy. We have a, a one of a kind interview with a Texas billionaire who was just great. And it was so. I my partner in reading the book is a former uh, Boston Red Sox player and uh, professional baseball. Um, player for 13 years, Lou Merloni, and he's got a he's an ESPN com uh, ESPN color uh, commentator for baseball. And what do you uh, mean partner in reading the book? Do you share the reading with we, him? We or? shared the reading. Yeah. And, oh, and I didn't Lou, know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And he's got he's got a great Boston accent, and uh, and so I do. You know, we 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 go back and forth, and then we both do the interviews at the end of the chapter. And cool. um, uh, and so, so it's really, you know, the, some of the interviews are spectacular, but, um, this, this billionaire, um, who we interviewed was very reclusive. I, I worked for his company, uh, 20 years ago. And so that's how I got the interview that, you know, everybody in the world had wanted. We started talking and he was, you know, I don't like to talk about myself. Uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, brag about this. I don't, and so it was going nowhere. And we're thinking, oh man, this is just, we're fucking dying out here, Lou. I mean, you know, give him a baseball anecdote or something. And, uh, and, and Lou said to him, he said, well, you know, what would you tell your kids? And as soon as he did that for, well, first thing he said was, well, you know, I don't know what, what I told my kids, I don't know if it would be that, that relevant. And he said, well, well, you know, what would you tell them? And it was, it was, it was just gold from Hmm. there on, you know, he, he just, he, he, answered those next three or four questions, just like he was talking to his own son or his own daughter. Mm. And, uh, and so we got some incredible insights about, uh, you know, giving back and, and philanthropy and, and how being able to, um, to, to generate happiness, uh, affected him as much as, mm-hmm. a, you know, the altruism of doing good things mm-hmm. as much as it affected the people that he was helping. So he was a great one as well. Um, we had a we had a, a good friend of mine who was a, retired as a commander, uh, was one of the first women F eighteen pilots, Lori oh, cool. Coffee, and right? uh, nice. and then she went to Pensacola and uh, became an instructor. and And the best part of her interview is is we started out and we said, okay, what's what was your biggest fear growing up? And she said, scary movies. <laughs> and, and and we said, well, you know, what what do you mean? She said, well, my mother used to make me sit on the couch and watch Creature Double Feature. On Sunday, <laughs> on Sunday mornings in black and white. And we're thinking, man, she's done whatever, three tours of Iraq. Right. Uh, she was in Afghanistan. You know, she's been shot at. She's got however many confirmed uh, kill and all this other stuff. And she's afraid of black and white scary movies. So, <laughs> so that's you know, interesting. Some of, the, some of the insight was great. But, but, it really, probably, really but, but, you know, back to that, something like that helps shape who we are. Right. And so, you know, she obviously compensated for that, which helped her deal with the fear, you know, of, of flying an F-18 or, or yeah. even going for a challenge like that. Well, well, that's and, and she, yeah. she, she talks about her skill set, which, you know, she was training new pilots to do, particularly their first carrier landing, which is, you that's know, for any the most dangerous there, moment, just, right? For, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. And so uh, she said, you know, she learned very early on to compartmentalize her fear. And, and like everyone I've talked to that has the right attitude around fear, we're not trying to become fearless. You and I definitely aren't fearless. Mm-hmm. We do a, a lot of things that other people wouldn't do, but it's because of courage. 
mm-hmm. which is acting rationally in the face of fear and, mm-hmm. and not letting fear dictate the, the action response. And so still being aware of that fear, she, she learned and she explains in the, in the audiobook how to compartmentalize the fear. And I, I thought mm-hmm. that was really useful because she'd been, you know, she'd been practicing that on uh, new F-18 pilots for seven or eight years. And how does she do it? Is there a simple explanation? Yeah, so she she had two different explanations, but the the short one is um, she taught she taught people to basically put a uh, you know a, a chest of drawers in their mind mm-hmm. and put different different mm-hmm. things in those chest of drawers, mm-hmm. and you know she'd have procedure for for landing in this mm-hmm. one. She'd have communication mm-hmm. to uh, you know to wingman or whatever in that one, and then mm-hmm. she'd have fear in in mm-hmm. another one, and and she'd say anything that you start to comes up that feels like fear, whether it's sweaty palms or or heartbeat or whatever, put in put in that. <laughs> that you know what? By the way, that that's a classic technology that's been around forever. I love that. It's, uh, it shows up in Silva Mind Control Method. It shows up in um, Gateway Project, which is you know just mm-hmm. been declassified around. Uh, uh, you know, synchronizing left and right hemisphere of your brain through audio input. And as part of the process, they do this uh, kind of compartmentalization of different fears and things like that. It's in almost an ex- identical way that you just described. That's cool. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I love so, how so these yeah, things show up, whether she found, figured that out herself, like there's yeah. no, there's very little new information in the world, right? Patrick. <laughs> well, you know, and and that's one thing, Mark. From all these neuroscientists uh, I took, there's there's a great, um, you, you know, the breathing's the best thing. You and I have been right. have been doing breathing for 25 years, and, right. and getting other people to do it, and and yogis have been doing it for thousands, thousands. of years. Yeah. But 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 yeah, now there's all this neuroscience research that it's bottoms up information. Here's how it right. feeds the brain. Here's how it, yeah. it reprograms. Right. The so I guess in that respect, there is new information on the old information, right? But no, well, new ways new of proof. looking at it, new proof, new, proof. New, yeah. right, new language exactly. around it. Right. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. I refined my statement. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. What, what's next for you? What's your next project? Are you going to really, um, I mean, is there a, a follow-up or a sequel to fear is fuel? Or- yeah, there's so there's two um, uh, two things that I'm working on. One is a series of master classes mm-hmm. to put some of the neuroscience to more practical use. That'll be very and, valuable. Yeah, yeah. And the and the first one's oddly enough, uh, we just finished. It's on parenting, so it's nice. basically ten hours of video about how the uh, how the child and and adolescent brain develops and what to do and why, you know, things happen. And most people don't know that the amygdala is fully developed at birth and the prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop until we're in our mid twenties. That's right. So that's so, why my uh, son, I give my son some slack still. Cause he's only 21. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you don't engage the, you know, the fight response because that's, that's exactly what you're going to get back. Right? right. And so, but that's, that's tough for parents to do. Believe me, I'm, I'm, you know, at the head of that list, <laughs> so, so especially with my youngest kid, who's exactly like me when I was his age. So you can imagine how nuts that drives me. That's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, um, you said there were two things and that's one. And what was the other thing? The, the other is, um, a more personal, uh, memoir. So, oh, cool. uh, so, so going back and just, now you don't really tell much of your story in fear is field. Do you? 
Now I, ta- I talk a little bit about the Olympics and then, mm-hmm. you know, the, the big thing for me was my biggest fear was the fear of flying. Cause I saw mm-hmm. a plane crash when I was a kid and mm-hmm. I avoided most of life until I got the leukemia. And then mm-hmm. when I was mm-hmm. in Johns Hopkins and they were telling me to, you know, get mm-hmm. my affairs in order and say my goodbyes, mm-hmm. I said, you know, my daughter was a year old and, and my wife was six months pregnant. And I said, you know, if I get another chance, I'm going to be the kind of dad that, that can take my kids to see the world, to, to Disney mm-hmm. world, to Dublin, to Chamonix, to Chamonix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I got out and I started flying, uh, huh. started taking flying lessons to get over this fear cool. and as scared shitless as I was after four or five flights, I fell in love with flying huh. and, and I couldn't believe I got my private license. I got my instrument rating. I got my commercial license and now I do competitive aerobatics. Cool. And I couldn't believe that for 35 years, all of that joy, excitement, passion had been locked away from me because of fear. And that's mm-hmm. actually the, the genesis for the book. I wanted other people to not have to go through a near-death experience to, mm-hmm. to figure out how to get past their fears and find out you know, that all their dreams were on the other side of fear. And so, yeah. um, so, cool. so I, I like you that. know, the next book is going to go much more in depth about, uh, me growing up and, and, you know, uh, it's kind of, uh, I know your, your friends and you've had, uh, Goggins on a couple of mm-hmm. times. It's a, it's kind of the same idea, you know, mm-hmm. how, uh, how I went from blue collar Boston to, uh, afraid to fly and now a stunt pilot and world record holder and all that other fun stuff, mm-hmm. because I think anyone can do it. You know, anyone who who has the mindset and the desire. I love that. And there's a certain type of person who will learn more from that, that approach, you know, looking at the intimate sharing of your life and learning the lessons, gleaning lessons from that, which of course you'll bring out versus kind of a more formulaic uh, self-help personal development book, which there's a ton of them out there. Yeah. Good luck with that. That's cool. And, and so what's next to, and, and, you know, I know, uh, I keep, uh, I keep waiting for when I can come out and roll around in the, on the beach with you for, uh, for a few <laughs> days, but, uh, but what's, what's next for you? What do you, what do you have on tap? We're, um, I'm reorganizing my company so we can really begin to scale unbeatable mind into uh, corporate leadership and team development. Cause that's what we do better than anyone else in the world. And so we're working on that and looking at a rebranding and, you know, it probably won't change the name, but just really tightening the ship. And I've uh, spun SealFit back out and I'm going to take SealFit back on as a entrepreneurial project to reboot that and come up with a, a much more, uh, you know, a different business model. Because the model I started in 2006 and um, it's ready for the next generation. So I'd love to pick your brain on that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah get absolutely. some ideas. And um, I'm really diving into kind of differentiating the personal branding of Mark Devine. You know, I consider myself an accidental influencer, right? I started out as a trainer to train world-class people and starting with creating the next generation of future special operator warriors through SealFit. And um, the training we put together, as we were talking about earlier, which is so darn effective and so innovative because it was multidimensional and led to vertical development, growth of consciousness, growth of awareness because of the uh, approach we took, which was the yeah. integration of physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and spiritual, those five months. So that led to me having, you know, now uh, six different books 
with, you know, New York Times bestseller, Wall Street, whatever, all that kind of story. I'm like, wow, how did this happen? You know what I mean? I got a little bit of imposter syndrome here because I'm just a trainer. (laughs) But I'm, so I'm trying to step in probably like you, I'm trying to step into that reality that, holy shit, I actually have become an influencer and my podcast is rated in the top 10. And, you know, and I've got a lot of humility around that, but I also need to own it and and I didn't have a personal website until last year and it still sucks. So we're going to rebuild all that rebuild. <laughs> I didn't have my own social media channels until last year. So, you know, we should have hundreds of thousands of followers and I have 30,000 Yeah, because yeah. it's all brand new. Everything was all kind of wrapped up in my business and I was just heads down focused on, you know, trying to make people better. And so it's kind of like differentiating where I'm going to take myself and my business seriously and uh, step into becoming the person who's worthy of training and inspiring 100 million people, which is my 25-year goal. Uh, see, and and I think that you know, Mark, from my perspective, I've I've taken a similar um, and maybe accidental approach as well. But I, I do think if you look at it from the neuroscience perspective, there's top down and there's bottoms up, right? So the top down are the influencers, you know, the, the guy who's a trainer at the gym, who's been, you know, working with two housewives and starts his, his, uh, podcast or his YouTube channel. And all he wants to do is become an influencer, right? So his, his main goal is to try and take advantage and get as many, uh, followers and, and, you know, impact as possible. That's there's a lot of that going on approach. There's a ton of that going on. And then there's the bottoms up approach, which is, you know, do some, some real stuff, make a lot of mistakes, learn a ton, try and figure out a way of, of sharing that and impacting the world to the best of your ability. And and that's what I call reaching your full potential and going from success or, you know, maybe you start a few companies, maybe you won a bunch of races, maybe you did (laughs) some stuff and, and I would have considered myself successful, but I wanted to be significant. And I wanted to use my experiences to help change the world. And so yeah. going from success to significance is, is critical. And then I think, you know, then, then the following can come. If uh, Yeah, that should, it should show up as it's meant to, right? No, not to say you don't do certain things like I was just talking about, like, yeah, you actually got to start an Instagram channel, you know, and <laughs> yeah hire someone who knows how to do that. I fumbled through a Instagram live yesterday is the second one I've done. But the first one was like interview where I just had to click on accept, you know, and, and then we were yeah. talking this one. I was supposed to be like taking questions from the crowd. And that's probably why it's a good thing. We didn't do that clubhouse chat today. You know, it's like, yeah. I was just fumbling all over the place. I don't use social media myself. I'm like, yeah. oh my well, I haven't done, I haven't done clubhouse. I, I got the invite. I don't know, a month ago or something. I, I keep, I'm afraid of it, Mark. I am too. I've got to learn stereo. Stereo is a competitor and they want to sponsor my podcast. So in order to nice. do that, I've got to do, you know, like 10 weeks of like stereo chat. So maybe we can come on and do a stereo chat. Oh, hell yeah. That would be I'm, fun. I'm, it's the same thing as Clubhouse. It's just a different, different platform. Different platform, you know, yeah. Different I platform. actually think, you know, from a technology perspective, a lot of people have been talking about it. Um, I think it's a feature. And yeah. I don't, yeah. Think, I don't think it, you know, I think. Well, if, it's a feature if, because Twitter, Facebook, it, it's so easy to replicate, right? That's it. If it, you know, if I'm, if I'm LinkedIn, actually, I would buy mm-hmm. Clubhouse. LinkedIn's, oh, that's I'd, a brilliant I'd, I'd pay. I'd pay whatever they want to get mm-hmm. Clubhouse and get that moving on to LinkedIn's platform. That's and then I call. think they, they've got a gold mine. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, we got to move on. Um, so you're 
audio, the audio, well, Fear of Fuel has been out for a year and a half now, and you can find that everywhere books are sold. And I highly recommend it. But the audiobook, for those who want all these bonus interviews, definitely want to get the audiobook. You said it's on pre sale. You can order it. When, when's uh, So you just go to audible.com and and Audible. order the book. Amazon.com. Uh, Amazon, it's okay. exclusive on, on Amazon and Audible, which I think goes to iTunes as well. And right. uh, pre order now, and it is available March 1st. Oh, that's coming up quick. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, congrats. And it's so good to see you, uh, you know, in Chamonix, France, that where you are and <laughs> freezing your butt I'll, I'll wake your ass up early uh, so you can, you can get the view of, of the mountains uh, when yeah. it's not dark out here. <laughs> I'd love to see that. You showed me a picture. It's stunning. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to get over there sometime, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with travel and all that. And yeah, you know, timing. Well, uh, I I definitely think uh, we could we could have some uh, some some fun adventures. And actually, you know what? For your listeners, pre COVID, I did a couple of executive forum retreats. Nice uh, for YPO, as you know, Young Presidents Organization, and and uh, uh, one other uh, Fortune 500, where they brought uh, eight or nine executives over here to Chamonix, and we did paragliding and then neuroscience and then had a five-star Michelin dinner and then woke up and did it again. So, uh, Oh, wow. That'd be fun. Let's, let's yeah, do that. And I, uh, if we could recruit a few people time. each, then we could yeah. uh, have a combined Mark Devine, Patrick Sweeney event. I think that, I think that would be a, be a blast. blast. If, if anyone out there is interested, let's, let's get in touch. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll plan that out. <laughs> yeah, please do. Awesome, Pat. Um, it's great to see you, my friend. And, uh, Best best of luck with everything. Take care of those kids. And uh, we'll talk soon. Hooyah. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, everyone, for for tuning in and uh, look forward to to catching up soon. Yeah, likewise. Hooyah. All right, folks. uh, That was Patrick Sweeney. Go check out the audiobook, uh, Fear is Fuel, and follow Patrick on social media. He's easy to find. He's a great guy, as you've just heard, and uh, doing some really important work in the world. And thank you for following the Unveiled Mind podcast. Really appreciate your support. And hopefully it is making a difference. Pretty sure it is. Till next time, stay focused and make fear your fuel for greatness. Hoo-yah. Yeah. Divine out.